Hey, what's up, y'all? We are recording a Learning to Lead podcast. I'm joined with Pastor Sammy Rodriguez. Pastor Pablo. Just give him a quick, like, snapshot of your family, your church, where you yeah, live, no, and all so, that. Yeah, my family. I'm married to this wonderful young lady who I met when I was uh, 11 years of age. And really? Yeah, yeah. In my Assembly of God church. I'm from, I'm from Pennsylvania, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Come on. So we know each other. We grew up together. And uh, this year we celebrate 30 years married. Wow. So that's pretty cool. We have three kids, and at least two of them like me. And uh, no, three of them like me. I'm just kidding about. But uh, <laughs> I'm a blessed man. I really am. I have a great family. They're all involved in church and ministry and, and other things. Come on. Uh, both vertical and horizontal endeavors. And they're committed to Christ and changing the world. Man, I love that. And I have a multi-ethnic church. We pastor a multi-ethnic church in California. Five campuses. It's 40% white, 40% black, 20% confused. So it's a great... Con- That's politically incorrect. It's a great... <laughs> I'm a comedian. It's, it's a great congregation. And I lead a network of 42,000 churches in America committed to advancing the Lamb's agenda. I did not realize yeah. your network is 42,000 Every year we get it certified by the attorney. That's amazing. Go through a process. So Okay, so I'm sitting with a general of the faith, a giant in leadership. Millions of people are listening to you, following your influence. Tens of millions, hundreds of millions connected to those 42,000 churches. And I want to just dive right into some tough questions. You said no taboos. No taboos. So you talked about having a diverse church. Currently in mm-hmm. our nation, there's so much. Uh, it's, it's like I, I feel like every week there's racial tensions and triggers and people feeling you know, ostracized against one ethnicity. And totally. so talk about leading through that. You prayed for President Obama. And Trump. And President Trump, both inaugurations. So, you lead a Hispanic movement. You said 42,000 churches are right, part of that network. That network. Right. So talk about being right in the middle of that and the political craziness going on. So for, for Obama, we prayed for his inaugural prayer service at the St. John's Episcopal Church in the morning. For President Trump, we prayed on the big stage before 1.1 billion people. But it speaks to this continuum of not drinking the ideological Kool-Aid. I wrote a book called The Lamb's Agenda. Don't marry the elephant, don't marry the donkey. Be married exclusively to the lamb. Wow. As Christians, much of the racial angst that we have in America is politically driven and politically exacerbated. The answer to the political angst in America, all the racial issues, it's the church. But not just any church, a multi-ethnic, Christ-centered, Bible-based, spirit-empowered, multi-generational church. Come on. That's the answer. So if you're looking for Republicans and Democrats to solve the issue, they never will. Yeah. The answer is the church. Yeah. But on Sunday mornings, man, we better be multi-ethnically diverse. Yeah. That's controversial. So, so I, I, I push back on the idea of a black church exclusively and with great due deference of a white church or even a Latino church exclusively. We, we need to reflect our communities. Mm-hmm. And if you have people of other ethnicities and other races, definitively, we must include them all. Yeah. And we should reflect the community we serve as it pertains to the region. And now it's, you know, it's, people can live an hour and a half. I have people that drive from San Francisco to come to my church every single Sunday. So they drive an hour and a half to come to my church. Make sure your church is the answer and mm. not a conduit by which the problem stands exact, exacerbated or multiplied. That's amazing. Multi-ethnic churches, man. That's the answer. And you know, that's, that's who we are, Victory in Tulsa. Is, you are. We've been that since the early 90s. My dad and mom had that vision. They said, we are not going to be a lily white church. But we are going to be a multi-ethnic, multi-generational. You guys were prophetic, and I mean that. Because in the 90s, back in the 90s, you were, the, you were a rare anomaly. Mm. How many multi-ethnic churches 
were there back in the early 1990s? Hardly any. You were prophetic. You, I mean, yeah, that's why this church is so blessed. And now mm. with your mantle of leadership, you're taking it to the next level. It's multi-ethnic and multi-generational. So it's a, it's a different reality indeed. But you're the answer, man. Come Victory on. is the answer. If Come we would on. have more victories across America, we would have less of the tragedies. Mm. And I mean tragedies that we continue to see, which breaks my heart. So 30 years of being married, how many years of preaching and doing ministry? I, w I started preaching when I was 14. I received my first credentials when I was 16 and a half, 17. Wow. Uh, so I started very young. Yeah. So it's been it's been a while. It's been yeah. It's been some years preaching. Cause you you're 37 years old. I look 34. Thank you for that, <laughs> Come Pastor on. Paul. You're right. You're 33. This is just a, a, that Spaniard how, DNA. That's another Barcelona, question. Is, how do you stay looking so young? It's and my fresh. mom and my grandmother's Spaniard roots DNA, genetic predisposition from Valencia. Uh, I have no idea, man. It's, uh, it's you eat healthy though. I do. I'm 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 very anal, linear, sequential, OCD about what I eat, what I drink, mm. my workout, uh, what I Do put into my body. Do you think that affects a lot of preachers? Their, their eating habits affects what we're seeing today, the health and the unhealth? Absolutely. I mean, it's hard, man. Like, and, you know, all joking aside, you're traveling. It's midnight, you know, or 11 o'clock, you preached up a storm. According to where you're at, very few nice high-end restaurants are open. Mm. You're going through Arby's, Taco Bell, you know, Mickey. You're doing late fast night food, pizza, late, late night, night pizza, Mountain Dew. So what do you do? All of it. So you just have to be disciplined. So by the grace of God, not that I was always perfectly disciplined. There was a time there for about three years that I blew up a little bit. Not a lot, but it blew up a little bit. Mm. And I was overweight from my height. And, and that's five foot nine. All right. That's what it is. Uh, so I was I was overweight, and I just had a moment where I went no more. That's the last time I drank a, a beverage, meaning a carbonated beverage, soda. Wow. July 4th, 2009, I've been set free. Come Ooh, on, come 10 on. years this ten July. Years, 10 years. So That's a decade. Me. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about some leadership questions with you on that. I mean, that, that all flows into leadership. I asked my team to send in questions because we're constantly wanting to become better leaders. Those that are watching and listening, they're going to hear your sermon tonight. They're leaning in. But let's talk about some of the tools that help you be who you are and do what you do. Um, would you talk about a little bit on empowerment and how you flow in empowerment and what's too much empowerment and, and some of those things, delegation? Delegation empowerment. So there, there, you begin with a grid, a self-prescribed rubric of there are things you can delegate, things you cannot. And there are things you cannot delegate, like your personal integrity, your prayer life. There are things you can't delegate. You have to do yourself. Yeah. But then there are things you should delegate. My empowerment model is a simple one. It's biblically substantiated. Make those that follow me greater than myself. Mm. So I empower people for the purpose with the metric is I will make sure you do greater things. So I empower you. I don't micromanage. I'm not a micromanager. I'm the opposite. I'm going to trust you until I can't trust you. Yeah. So go. I'm going to give you all the resources you need in order for you to be successful. I, you can't survive. You, you have to thrive. Yeah. Failure is not an option, but, but you're going to thrive. And almost, I'm going to supply you whatever you need. But mm. at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to trust you with everything. But if, if it fails, it's you. If it succeeds, it's you. And I've worked with that model. And by the grace of God, we've been, it's been effective, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. Make I mean, those that follow you greater than yourself. Empower them. Equip them. And not just rhetorically, but in resourcing. Because sometimes we say, go do it. You have to provide the right resourcing. Yeah. Be it budgetary-wise in your line items, whatever it may be. That's really good. That's really good. When you have been leading and leading this movement, 42,000 churches, all of these things you've walked through, what would be the, the most 
discouraging moment you walked through, and how did you overcome that? How did you get through that? Yeah, no, there's, there have been moments. I've written about it in certain books. There, there have been glitches in the Tell the people the book so they can read it. The book is called You Are Next, How to, how to Break Out of Paralysis Once and For All in Your Life. Never miss your turn again. Destroy everything that's ever paralyzed you. Never miss your moment again. You are next. Uh, and God really blessed it because I lived it. There, there are moments in, in organizations and churches and ministries, and storms don't define you. Yeah. They don't. Storms yeah. reveal who you really are. Mm. So they don't make you, but they expose you. Yeah. And find out what you're made of. That's right. Absolutely. And so we all go through these. I don't know of one viable, successful, exemplary leader in church or in business or in politics or in culture who has never been through anything. Mm. We, all, we all get tested. The question is, what do you do via the conduit of that test? And I discovered this following model. Here it is. Ready? And I do this every single day. And my staff would have this memorized. Live a holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble, hungry, honoring life. Yeah. Holiness. Healed. Healthy, and I mean healthy, mind, body, soul, spirit, financially. Happy, yeah, be happy. Shake off, you know, the misery, the anxiety. In John 15, 11, humility, critical. Humi- don't drink your Kool-Aid, man. It's God. Mm. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 10. By the grace of God, you are what you are. Hungry, always be hungry. Hungry for righteousness, hungry for his presence, hungry to do the right thing, to see the right thing. And at the end of the day, holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble, hungry, honoring. Honor those that paved the way yeah you didn't get there by yourself get over yourself that's you got good. there because someone else paved the way that's really good what would you say out of those right now is something that god's really honing in on out of those would you say there's all of them are at work or there's two or three that you're looking at right now and you're going i want these things are constantly growing right now in my life in the hunger the hunger. In the past few months, there's been just this reemergence mm. of, of just hunger. And hungry, hunger for what? Hunger for an authentic move of God, for an awakening, yeah. for righteousness, for something beyond me, Come on. Uh, beyond my personality. Just hunger. So the past three, four months, it's just hunger for him. And, I, I mean, I'm in, it's, a, it's a different world. Even for what me. would you say stirred that in these past three or four months? We produced, I produced a movie called By the Grace of God. Again, Fourth Corinthians 10. I produced a movie called Breakthrough. You produced that's that? my movie. Come on. We didn't talk about that at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So that's my movie. God gave me the idea. And, so and powerful. So I, saw, I read a story on my feed on, on, on a plane uh, when it first happened, like the day after, from St. Louis Dispatch. I read it. I started preaching about it Sunday, preached about it around TBN that week. Mm. The, the mom calls me up, actually doesn't. She DMs me on Facebook, then she called me up. And she DMs me on Facebook and says, Pastor Sam, I've been a, a follower of yours for years, I love your ministry, but you're talking about me. And I go, well, and she went, well, respectfully, sir, you're not giving the full story. And I'm thinking, man, am I making things up? Gave her a call, she went, you're shortchanging me. I go, what do you mean? You're saying that my son was dead for 15 minutes. That's incorrect, sir. I go, what do you mean I'm incorrect? He was dead for an hour. That's when I went, can you medically verify that? Do you have paperwork? I'm not doubting you, but I need paperwork. She went, absolutely. Who do you want to talk to? Every single doctor signed off. I went, hold on a second. Your son was dead for an hour? Was it just heart dead and not brain? No, brain, heart, everything dead. Are you sure about this? Who do you want to talk to? Come on. We verified everything. It is the only medically verifiable resurrection story in modern history, period, mm. of a person who died for over an hour. Come Completely on. dead now. And she walked into a room and said, Holy Spirit, bring my son back to life. The moment she prayed, that very second, not five minutes later, not 30 seconds later, the moment she put a period on her sentence, Holy Spirit, bring my son back to life, period. Beep, 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 right there. So the moment I got the full story, 
the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, make it into a movie. Wow. Make it into a movie. Make it so. My problem is that I'm, I'm not, I'm, I, you know, I, I did some consulting in Hollywood and a little bit of acting, but not like at the production level. I happened to have one of my dear, dear friends is Devon Franklin. So before this happened, Devon yeah. and Megan, they would come home for Christmas. These are my buddies. Yeah. And he's in the industry, right? But yeah. I don't want to be that guy. It becomes awkward. Yeah. Right? So he's your buddy. You don't want to exploit relationships. Right. Finally, the Holy Spirit said, work, talk to Devon. I went, man, this is my buddy. Talk to Devon. I talked to Devon. He shrugged me off. He did. He went like, eh. And I went, you know what, dude? I'm going to insist on this. So I set him up, brought him to my television program. By coincidence, guess who else I invited on that day? The mom. The mom and the kid. The, the kid that resurrected. Set it all up. Put him in the green room. <laughs> I walked out on my camera macchiato, true story. Walked Come out on. and I said, Holy Spirit, take care of this. Wow. And that's a movie and it's a hit and God used it by Come the grace on. of God. And if you haven't seen it, go see Break Through the Movie. Yes. It's available on DVD and Blu-ray. And yeah, let's go change the world. So good. And I love that you pulled in the, the girl from This Is Us. Hey, Chrissy. She's amazing, isn't she? Yeah. And Dennis Hasbert and, you know, from 24 and Come the Allstate on. commercials. And Josh Such Lucas. Such a good cast. Topher yeah, Josh Grace, Lucas. Yeah, Topher and Topher Grace. So, so, well, it was so a, a lot of these Christians are non-Christians. Some of them, some, uh, they all had. Because I'm sure the story impacted the non-Christians. Well, it, it impacted the non-Christians even on set. Even on set, there are stories there. Because I'm set guessing, I'm not going to say names, but I'm guessing a couple of those. A are, couple of those, I have a, a, a very well-defined relationship with God. Some of them are beginning to have a relationship with God, come and on, some Jesus. of them are inquiring about the reality of a, of a, of a living God. But I love they're that. not in the atheistic camp. Uh, they're beginning to just go beyond the pondering. The movie pushed certain things to, to move forward. And, and even in those... You're a game things, changer. You got to You're do some great things. That prompted the whole hunger part. So these last three months, there's that this stirring movie, of hunger. Because it prompted just something different. It prompted... Come on. Hunger. Not in, and, and we have more movies down the pike that we're doing. This is with 20th Century Fox, What's your Fox, next one? What's your next one? Called Flaming Hot. It's a story. 20th Century Fox. Fox Searchlight. It's a story of a guy who was a janitor, second grade education... Uh, you know, you name it, all the bad things in life. And he has a born-again experience, and he's working for PepsiCo, Frito-Lay, in Rancho Cucamonga in California, just mopping floors. And they con- his wife and, and Richard, they convert, they come to Jesus, born-again experience. And his wife says, honey, they're inviting me to this prayer group now. They call them intercessory prayer groups. I'm just going to go pray. What do you want me to pray for for you? And he goes, well, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Can you pray for God to open up my mind and give me God ideas? Come on. That guy became the patent guy who invented Flaming Hot Cheetos. Come on. <laughs> True story. And it happened I love it. when she went and prayed. I love it. God, God spoke to him and said, combine this with this, and I'm going to make an idea, and I'm going to give you an idea that's going to change the world, but it's going to give you a pulpit for you to exalt me. Wow. And, that's I mean, going to stir up entrepreneurs out there, totally. and people it's, who it, are dreaming of, yes. what's my next season? What am I going to do next? B- b- vice President of the American for, for PepsiCo. But uh, wow. born again, Christ-centered, spirit-empowered guy, and exalted Christ. I mean, it happens. These things, this, is, this is pursuit of happiness, of happiness on steroids. I love that. And that movie was a hit. It was a hit. Yeah. This, at the Holy, but this one's going to have... This one and, come on, man. I'm pumped. Okay, so let's talk about um, what's what's a book you read in your maybe your 20s, your 30s that just really impacted who you are today. A book that you look back and you go, that was a game changer in my spiritual walk. There's a couple. There's one that's pretty deep reading. It's called Hans Hans Kong, a uh, German theologian on on the on, on God. Does God exist? It blew me away. And it, the title is Does God Exist? And it's, Does it's about, God it's, exist? It's an apologetics book, but from a different perspective. <laughs> 
uh, amount Speaking of apologetics, real quick, can I ask you something? And we'll sure. come back to you next week. I believe God exists, yes. I mean, Do you feel like there's a current swing um, amongst, I feel like this, amongst young people? They're like, I need to learn apologetics on a, on a higher hunger level. I think it's, I think it's like freaking phenomenal. Like, we have to defend our faith in front of moral relativism on steroids. The world has never been more anti-God collectively or anti-Judeo-Christian value system. And if you're a biblical guy, if you, believe in, if you believe in biblical orthodoxy, you believe the book is the book, how do you defend this in a world that says you're, you know, you're crazy? So I love the fact that millennials and even more Generation Z will be hungry for apologetics. Yeah. So we inspire, we preach, and we inspire. In every sermon, there better be, there has to be a nugget or a thread that can captivate. Yeah. We have to combine faith and science. There, yeah. there has to be this, this... Preaching and teaching. Yeah, there has to be preaching and teaching, and there has to be a convergence where we no longer create a dichotomy between faith and science. Mm. There has to be a continuum. Yeah. And, and we Does can, God exist? Oh, uh, That's the book. That's the book. But did a couple of it. Malcolm Gladwell, anything, Tipping Point, David and Goliath, anything Malcolm, he's just brilliant. And he's a I believer, like by the way. I like his stuff. I like Malcolm's David a believer. Glad. He had an experience with God. So Malcolm's That's a believer. That's awesome. Yes. Jim Collins, good to great. You have to pick that up if you're yeah. an organizational leader. Jim Collins, good to great. So these are books. Let me throw one me. at you that you should check out sometime. Purple Cow. Purple Cow. By Seth Godin. Okay. He's a marketing guy. He he runs in the same camp as Malcolm Gladwell okay. and Jim Collins. Purple Cow. It'll 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 open your mind On to church and stuff. Branding and messaging. Yes, it changed my thoughts about how we do church. Brilliant. So it's interesting. Purple but, Cow. Purple Cow. Yeah. Shout out to Seth Godin if you ever hear this. But, wow. um, Make a note of that. Purple cow, seriously. <laughs> I'm like totally intrigued. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this. Um, you, you're a oh, teacher. Oh, and anything Tim Keller. Tim Keller is just Tim Keller. Mm, yeah. Anything Faith and Dude, Reason, Tim deep. Keller, just go. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting because I do feel like you're, you're right. People are craving, how do I defend? There was a hashtag last week on Twitter, and Twitter is just insane with all the political crazy drama it's that's crazy. going on. Um, every day. I barely day. tweet. And I, I, I have a cat. I barely, I, that's my lowest platform is Twitter because I yeah, barely tweet. Yeah. Well, it's just, just it's, just, it's too crazy. It but becomes, people are still doing it. It does. But, but just to me, this is me. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I go more Instagram because Twitter. It's because less drama I, on it's Instagram. Less, it's less drama, right? I mean, Twitter is just like, it's ah, crazy. Everything. Okay, but this, this one intrigued me. I always like to see what's the current hashtags. I'll check out once a week. And the one that was out last week was Christian privilege. And I thought this was really interesting. It lasted for two days. Hashtag Christian privilege. And they were attacking Christians. It was, con- it was just this Christians. And, well, then you had Christians who were, like, saying, yeah, it is a privilege, the grace of God, that we have forgiveness of our sins. You should get this privilege. It's for you, too. Anyone. So you know, flip, so, flip so it's strip. flipping it. But I was thinking exactly what you're saying. There is this rise of, like, um, they're trying to push out the Christian Anything that has a Christian standard that comes from New Testament and uh, the calling that we see in the New Testament, it's interesting. So do you have a comment on that for leaders out there that are leading churches, leading youth groups, speaking into their teams? How do they navigate through this climate? What we can't do is sacrifice truth. Mm. What we can do is acquiesce. What we can do is get into a fetal position and sacrifice biblical truth on the altar of expediency. What we can do, again, is surrender to Jezebel. Yeah. We, we have to be, it is a spirit of Jezebel. It is a spirit of Jezebel. But we, we have to be prophetic. Mm. And by being prophetic is you speak truth with love. Yeah. And what I encourage leaders is don't just go love. If all you do is go love, you're a hippie. The other groups love. 
in their interpretation of love. You know, eros, philos, agape, I'm not going to get into that. The fact of the matter is every group claims love. It's truth and love that makes us completely different. Mm. It's truth and love, and it's powerful. If you can speak truth and love, wrap it around grace, we can change the world. Yeah. But just don't sacrifice truth. If all you're serving is about God loves you, if someone's about to fall off a cliff, you're about to fall off a cliff, but I tell you, I love you, that's meaningless. Yeah. If I tell you you're about to fall off a cliff and I love you, that's different. Yeah. So my job, our objective is to see people saved, man. People saved, delivered, transformed, and yeah. live out their God-ordained purposes and destinies. Every leader needs to just stand up, speak truth with love, and don't, don't permit others to marginalize us in some sort of echo chamber of mutual affirmation. That's what the enemy wants to do. For us to gather on Sundays and sing Kumbaya and have conferences that are self-affirming and validating while the world goes to hell. Yeah. I refuse to do that. Yeah. I'm going to have a great service on Sunday. I'm going to be part of the, the best conference on earth called Victory Conference. Come on, Jesus. And then I'm going to go out there for the rest of the days. I'm going to change the world. In Hollywood, sports, media. Yeah. What we shouldn't do, likewise, is curse the stuff that God wants to use. To go into so when, it. So when I was an idiot, I would, I would, I'm saying this, I would preach against Hollywood. I'm 15, mm. 16, 17. I mean, I'm immature. And I would condemn Hollywood. Mm. Man, I ended up doing movies in Hollywood. Yeah. I was cursing the very thing that God wanted to use Come on. to bless the world. Come on, Jesus. Are there elements of darkness in Hollywood? Yes, but in every yeah. industry. Everything. I would even argue there are elements of darkness in the church. <laughs> what do you think about the, the pre-sex scandals and others? I mean, yeah. I mean, what, you want to go there? Yeah. So just don't curse the stuff. Yeah. Don't, don't paint with one broad stroke yeah. and condemn everything and, just, <laughs> and, and start, see things through a myopic lens. You know, mm. increase your bandwidth, man. Don't be so judgmental, but speak good. truth with love. That's really good. You know, people say, I heard this old preacher once say, truth sounds like hate to those who hate truth. But if you can package truth with grace. Totally. The people who are opposing you, they can respect that you stand for something and you still love them. And, and you know, we're still seeing like this pressure on social media, this pressure from the news to try and squash the freedom of speech if you stand for something that makes other people feel uncomfortable. But I think we've got to come right in there and say, you know, here's the truth of what truth. God says. Absolutely. Bringing grace to those who say, I'm a girl Absolutely. or I'm a guy or I don't know what I am. Truth. And be able to give them, no, no, you're a child of God. Child of God. And, and God is, loves you. And, and he designed you for a specific purpose in a specific way. Yeah. And you're beautiful in your original design. Come I mean, on. You're beautiful. You're exemplar. You're the masterpiece of God yeah. in the original design. Come on. And, and that's the message you share, man. I'm in California. We see it and we live it every day. We love people. We speak truth to people. And they love the fact that we speak truth with love. We're yeah. real crazy. It, it actually works. The formula actually works. Come on, man. Well, dude, I appreciate you talking about some of these conversations that no one wants to talk about. And it's kind of tough because you wade into stuff and you're like, eh, we don't have all the answers, but here's what we do have. And that is the love of God. And like you said, that's what we're bringing back to people. So stay tuned for the conference. we got some amazing sessions. He's about to preach. It's going to be awesome. And stay tuned for some more interviews about leadership, culture, and how we navigate through the times we're in today in America and the world. God bless.